0: this is so what does Judaism say about we discuss all kinds of life's topics in the Jewish and Torah perspective I remember Rick Fox with me as always is the brazen Rabbi mayor beer Rabbi beer how are you doing
1: fantastic
0: that's right I call you brazen because you're so you're so proud to be a Jew rabbi beer
1: I I, I wear it on my you know on my collar I
0: see you walking down the street in your blue and white striped Israeli flag cape. suit and cape yeah. Right? Am Yisrael Ochai all the time. What, is the, what does Judaism say about Jewish pride, what it means to be a proud Jew? You know, I grew up certainly with a semblance of Jewish pride, and I was not the least bit, let's call it religious, so to speak. There's something there that is an aspect that is that, that sort of traverses all areas of Judaism, and then there's sort of the, the Torah idea of what that means, and I think it's important to get the distinction here.
1: All right, so we'll start off with a quote from the Talmud. It's a— Sounds pretty Jewish. You know, a body of work uh, worth worth exploring, if you're Jewish. The Tama writes in uh, Tractate Bea on page 25b that why was the Torah given to the Jewish people? Because they are brazen.
0: Nice. They're chutzpah. Azin. Chutzpah. Azen. Chutzpah? Is it different? Uh,
1: you know, that, that's probably a a translation.
0: There's another word, chutzpah. Uh, whatever.
1: So, uh, az also means bold. Uh, you know, might have a connotation of like bravery or or, or like, you know... Lack of being, you know, lacking, uh, you know, fear, things like that. Right. But yeah, chutzpah, boldness, that kind of thing is is there also? You know, is is part of that also? And the Gemara says that God said that you know to these people is is fitting to give the, um, das aish. Das is like a a theology of fire. You know, the spiritual work of fire, which is the Torah, because you know. They're brave they're they're brazen they're bold and the mother the Gemara also says that if not for the Torah no nation can stand in front of the Jewish people so it almost like keeps them under control they're such a brazen and bold people that the Torah like you know calms them down so it has this like you know dual uh, effect
0: so it was given to us because we're bold but also it was given to us to keep us in check because we're so bold Correct. got it
1: so on this, uh, piece of Talmud, the Marsha, in his commentary on the Gemara writes that the Jewish people are called, you know, bold. This is a, a a trademark of them. And a Bishan, somebody who is easily embarrassed, is often difficult for him to learn. It takes a certain boldness to accomplish intellectually. And so much of Judaism is intellectual. The Torah is this, you know, endless intellectual pursuit. So you need like a, a, a boldness, this, this fearless, you know, explorer attitude to be able to make this work, he then continues with a really, really interesting idea. It says in the Aziz in the Song of the Sea, that the Jewish people sang at the Red Sea, Aziz that there's a sense of the boldness um, describing the Jewish people and the relationship with God. Vizimraska, they're the song of God. And he says that based on this is a verse in Psalms, which we'll focus on a bit. Uh, that your edicts, your rules, the, the, the boundaries of the Torah, King David called Zemiro song. So we have this connection between the boldness of the Jewish people and them viewing the Torah and their relation with God as a song. Now, that sounds nice and poetic, but we're going to complicate this a little bit by a statement the Gemara makes. The Gemara says in Tractate Sota that King David was actually punished for calling the Torah Zemiro's for calling it song.
0: Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, flat thickens. It'll thicken a little more soon. So the Gemara says that, um, he, you know, this, this phrase in, in Psalms, in uh, chapter 119, that, you know, King David once again calls the Torah like <coughs> something which takes on a feeling of song. And, you know, at first this would seem to say that he wasn't trivializing it or not taking it seriously enough. But the Talmud and Tracted says that a house which does not have Torah being heard, which has Torah being heard in it, being studied in it at night, will never get destroyed, metaphorically. You know, there's something uh, spiritual about that that will last because there are Zemiros Balilah, quoting a verse from Job, there is song at night in the house. The
0: exact same word used to describe King David when he was chastised for calling Torah song
1: is used as a way to describe it, that if a house at night, and we'll focus on that night part of it, has the song of Torah being played in it, then it's like a, it's a wonderful thing.
0: Quite a vexing riddle indeed, Rabbi Beer.
1: And also getting back to the first source, which we quoted, that the boldness of the Jewish people is attached to this relationship of the Torah, which is called a zemer, a song. What does this all mean? How do we put this all together?
0: I'm going to throw out an idea. Zemer is... Also means to prune. Keep it nice pruned. Are we going there?
1: Yes, we are going there.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Did I ruin the class? No, you didn't. We're starting to read each other's minds.
1: (laughs) We have a telepathic uh, podcast relationship. So Ralph Huttner, in uh, in an essay, uh, says the following, that the ability to join together and separate are often two halves of the same thing. So the word das is used to describe intimacy. Adam yada eschava ishto.
0: He knew, his, knew wife. his wife. He knew her. In the biblical sense, That's quote unquote, right. means
1: intimacy. Right. And we also have the insertion of havdalah, of separation, that we recite Saturday night after, the, after Shabbos, is in the blessing of das, because havdalah, separation, is only found with das. So you so, need this
0: das to connect and the das to separate.
1: Right. And they're usually two halves of the same thing, to create a cohesive thing you have to separate everything which creates disharmony in that in that system so r- this concept of separating that which distracts to create uh, you know a unified f- optimally functioning system is zomer zomer is the word for pruning you need to prune that which distracts to get to the full system
0: this would be of course what Pazuke the Zimra means. Before prayers, we have passages of song, which really means to prune away your negative thoughts before you pray.
1: Exactly. So within music, and this is something which will is a little off topic, there's a differentiation between the word Zmira, Zemer, and Shira. Shira has this more harmonious thing. And music, this being the perfect analogy, you need this harmony to create a unified sense of music. Yeah, you do. You know, when things are very electronic. And very very precise. They're not very musical. You sometimes need a little, you know, tension, a little, you know, syncopation or whatever whatever yeah. you're creating yeah. to create that emotion that you're trying to. focus It's got to it be human.
0: There's a humanized button on Pro Tools on the software. You can press humanize. It doesn't really work, but it, we know that the rigidity of everything is what makes it sound so fake and not real. You can check out what's going on in AI now with all of this. It's it, it has no soul. You know, you listen to the Beach Boys a cappella from the 1960s, just their voices. There's something so haunting and beautiful, and it's acapella. I listen to acapella today, and I, it makes me want to never listen to music ever again. So you have these two things because of the aspect of, like you're saying, there's got to be something human in there that, that allows things to develop and have a personality to it that bring you close together.
1: But getting off of the you know, music discussion... Oh, we're getting off that? Which, you know, we, maybe we should make a podcast about this, talking about different aspects of music from a uh, you know, Jewish perspective... The idea, Rafatner explains, why King David was chastised for calling the Torah Zemiros is the Zomar part is one half of the Torah experience. You need to have the experience where you are using the Torah ideology to remove yourself from negative influences and to remove negative influences from yourself. But you also need to then, once the negative is removed, have that fully Operating fully functioning system that's running as smoothly and, and 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 as best as it can. So to call the Torah the Zomer, the the you know the kind of the disharmony and and how it allows you to deal with that is half the picture. So I also
0: forgot we're talking about Jewish pride. I'm really curious how this all relates. Yeah, I literally was sitting here thinking, what is what are we? Ta- oh, right, Jewish
1: pride. So I, I'm I'm now super vexed. Where where, where are we going? All right. We're leaning down a mysterious <laughs> path over here. <laughs> so getting back to this you know, discussion of Torah, which we'll then get into Jewish pride and Jewish an ah, attitude, ah. Um, the Torah, a person's religious, you know, the way they, they express themselves, has two parts to it. There is a way to deal with negativity. And when we look in Psalms, where this, where this verse comes from, the context of this is all and how to deal with the Torah when a person is in a difficult time. So quoting some of the verses, this is from the 119th chapter of Psalms, which is actually broken up into sections on the Alephes. This is in the seventh section, which has a lot of implications. Um, The King David writes, uh, this is my comfort of my affliction for your word preserved me. Will for sinners taunted me exceedingly. I did not swear from your Torah. I remembered your judgments of old um, and I was comforted and your statutes were music to me in this difficult time. But there's more to Torah than just that. So if we're going to say where there's a place for Jewish pride, as the Marshah connects Azus to Zmira, a person needs to have that boldness, that attitude when they're faced with situations which will seek to undermine their Judaism. You sometimes need to react with that Azus. And perhaps this is the reason why Azus was a you know a character trait of the Jewish people, why they were given the Torah. Because if you don't have that boldness to stand up when there's adversary, when there is a, you know, a culture which seeks to diminish the importance of your values, you can't be bold, you can't be brazen about what you stand for, you may not get to the second half of that harmonious end system that you're looking for. And the Zemiros, the Zomer, is an essential part, that pruning away of the negativity, which needs that Aziz. So the aziv Ka is the connection between the Aziz and the Zemira. Now, ideally, you don't have to live with that attitude and that, you know, jumping out of people that question you. That, that's not the ideal, but often you're going to need that as a tool in your war chest to get to that end result. You're going to be facing, you know, some of the things that King David faced that, you know, those difficult times, people seeking to undermine you, people questioning your, your authenticity and only with a little sense of attitude can you get to the second half.
0: And that second half being what? Like, what is this Jewish pride we're dancing around? What? What? How? What is it?
1: So, I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you know some simple examples. You know, you're 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 walking down the street, and you know, you get you know some anti-Jewish, anti-Israel things your way. You know, sometimes you can you can be a little bold and confrontational about your in your reactions. You know, you don't want to live with that kind of negativity, but it's there sometimes, and you know, you might question yourself if you can't confront strongly those that seek to undermine you those that question you you know how are you going to be able to be happy about your values if when you're conf- if when you're confronted if when your values are confronted you can't stand up boldly for them right so i think
0: i think that's really it i think that the boldness that we want is in re- in response to defending values that are worthwhile there's a there's a bravery to defending strong values but the idea of just the negative, obnoxious Jew, which is a caricature that is very popular in today's and yesteryear's media, that is a, that's a misuse of this attribute that could be used for so much beauty of defending the Jewish people. It's not like we're, if Jews are behaving badly, there's not, there's not, there's not what to defend. There's not what to be bold for. You know what I mean? But there, when, but when you look at what Israel has accomplished and how, how, um, how, uh, over and beyond, they go to protect civilians and how ethical the army is, these things. So then it gets very frustrating when the, when the IDF or Israel is attacked for human rights violations, when it's the most sane, calm, nice army in the world. That's frustrating. That's a value worth defending. But there are things that are not worth defending. And how do you prune, prune those away? And what do we leave with for Jewish pride? How does, how does someone walk with this if those values are not clear?
1: And to get to your point, if you're constantly pruning, you're not going to be left with anything. Pruning, and this is what you want have to realize. What's
0: that, what's that Japanese tree that they're always cutting all the bonsai tree? You got nothing left.
1: Yeah, maybe those are supposed to be small, but we want our, you know, we want to prune out the negativity, but we want to be mostly focused on the positive. And perhaps this is also one of those critiques of King David, perhaps, perhaps, um, that there's a little too much pruning and not enough of the shira where we're ultimately, you know, more positive, positive you know, less antagonistic, less confrontational, but we do need that to trust within us. So I think a parallel to this is a is a a um, a discussion that the Talmud has with Rav Adabar Ava. So the Gemara says that Rav Adabar Ava was a person that was, you know, willing to do everything for his values. And there was a person that was acting very inappropriately. And the Gemara has a, describes how Rav Adabar Ava publicly confronted this person. And this behavior seems like that kind of vigilante like behavior. But the Gemara also describes Avadabar Ava as a person who, when asked why he merited to live a long life, said that I was never difficult with my family. I never, you know, I, n- I never bothered people. I never called people by, by derogatory <clears throat> nicknames. He's a very sensitive, good person. So, such a person that's, you know, really working on making sure that they're, you know, the person you want to be around is the person that you want to have when the confrontation is needed, because you know they're not doing it because they get a kick out of being aggressive and being in your face. This is a person, uh, you know, who said that he never um, he never disrespected a person greater than him. So he wasn't one of those people constantly, you know, like this belligerent person constantly putting people down or, or making noise. But when necessary, he did have that depth of character to do that. So you know, you, you kind of want to, you know, as you pointed out sometimes have that edge, have that attitude, have that in-your-face pride, but you don't want to, you know, overplay the stereotypes, it needs to be a tool in the chest. It can't be the defining part of your personality. But when you view it as, okay, sometimes we need to prune, but we're only pruning to make a nicer garden. So this is a tool I used when it's effective, when it needs to be done, but it's a dangerous tool that, you know, we use very carefully. So you should have the ability to tap into that. You don't always want to be that meek, you know, person that just takes it sitting down. But on the other hand, you don't want to, you know, when your five-year-old comes home with a with a you know a scribbly drawing, be like, "Yeah, you could do better." <laughs> That's not the boldness and the chutzpah that we're looking for in a well-rounded person.
0: Right. That it's amazing. It, it has to be developed. Got to understand what values we are defending, and when, and take that in terms of when is the right time on campus or at work or in the world or in the social media sphere. Where it's the appropriate time to make a, a response and the inappropriate time by making sure that, that that attribute is developed like any other attribute, but it's I love this double aspect. It was given to the Jewish people, the Torah was given to the Jewish people because we were bold, but we also need the Torah to basically hold a, hold our line because we are bold. We need it on both those aspects.
1: Right, and, and this describes you know as we've discussing this kind of this path where you're like you're filtering out negativity but also building up the positivity. So that dual aspect of it gives you, you know, we're the people that can fight, but we're also the people that hopefully are tamed by our values, by our spirituality. And, you know, we then are the, you know, people that are using these skills and these emotions properly and implementing them when they need to be implemented. And we can be a well-rounded, healthy people that stand strong. And, uh, you know, there'll always be some good Jewish jokes to be made, but, you know, hopefully the, they'll be a little overplayed.
0: motivating and also containing that's what we're looking for
1: that's it